to the While You Are Single podcast. O.J. Tokes' new, revised, and updated book, While You Are Single, A Guide to Finding and Keeping the Right Mate for Your Life, is now available. For more details about the book, please visit whileyouaresingle.org. Meanwhile, enjoy the podcast. Here is O.J. Tokes. Hello, how you doing? Welcome again to another edition of the While You Are Single podcast. Thanks for listening to the program. I hope it has been a blessing to you, and I hope that if it has, you have been sharing with your friends as well. Thank you again for listening this week. I also want to thank those of you who have been supporting while you are single through your giving. We appreciate you giving to us. And for those of you who have not had the chance to contribute to while you are single, I want to encourage you to do so. If This podcast has blessed you in any way, if you have benefited in any way, if you have felt like you've heard something that helped you out, out of a situation or encouraged you, inspired you, impacted you in any way, I want to encourage you to consider giving to us. We do need your giving. It enables us to have our monthly while you are single events from which we produce the podcast. Um, Your giving is very necessary. It covers the cost of making things happen through the events we have, our monthly events of While You Are Single. All the same, um, I speak 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8 over you, that God will make all grace abound towards you so that you have more than enough for yourself and more than enough to continue to give to other worthy endeavors. Thank you again for giving to While You Are Single. You can simply do this by going to our website, whileyouaresingle.org, and click on the giving tab. Thank you again for supporting the While You're Single podcast. If you happen to be in the Houston area on April the 21st, I'd like to invite you to our next While You're Single gathering. It will be taking place on April 21st, 8 p.m. at our new meeting location. We are meeting in a different facility here in um, actually in Sugarland, Texas, which is just um very close to Houston, and uh, it's going to be at Catch the Fire Church, also known as Sweetwater Church, um, but it's also known as Catch the Fire Church. The address is 1730 Williams Trace Boulevard, Suit 1, Sugarland, Texas, 77478. Again, it's going to be on April the 21st, 8 p.m. at Catch the Fire Church. And the address is 1730 Williams Trace Boulevard, Suit 1, Sugarland, Texas. We are going to be having a panel discussion on getting and staying married. A panel discussion on marriage. We're going to have three married couples. They're going to be part of the panel. And if you have any questions you want to ask them, you can email us at info at whileyoursingle.org so that we'll ask those questions. Or when you are present, you can ask the question as well. So it's going to be a panel discussion on marriage. If you can make it, it's going to be great. Bring a friend, whatever questions you have. We're going to have the married couples there. They're going to share from their marriages and stuff like that. Whatever questions you want to ask, here's your opportunity to go ahead and do so. So hopefully... I can see you on April the 21st. Without further ado, this week I'm going to be talking about how rejection is not a setback, but a setup. 
perhaps you're familiar with the fact that I, I wrote the book Rejected for a Purpose, How God Uses Rejection to help you find and fulfill your destiny. I've learned a great deal about rejection over the years, and I have put it in the into the book to just help people overcome rejection. Book is available as well. You can, you know, go to our website to get more information about that. Nevertheless, I just want to take a few minutes just to encourage you because rejection is inevitable rejection is universal everybody deals with rejection almost every day in one form or the other um, sometimes rejection is understandable in the sense that you know maybe a baby wants to mess with a hot stove and the mom prevents the baby from doing so from the baby's perspective the mom is stopping the baby from getting involved with something that the baby wants to get involved in and the mom stops the baby. That's a reasonable form of rejection, rejecting the baby from harming him or herself. That's understandable. Sometimes in life, that's how it is. You know, we're the baby and God is like the parent and we want to get into this hot looking, uh, want to get into this hot new prospect, this, this hot new job or this individual who's hot and you want to get involved in it. And um, God utilizes um, rejection to prevent you to protect you because he knew that you're going to harm yourself by getting into this. But we don't feel that that's what's happening because you don't see God behind you or an angel showing up telling you that that's what's happening. And sometimes rejection could be ridiculous. People just being mean or just rude or just coming against you and just trying to put you down or demean you, things like that. Whichever case, it really doesn't matter um, what form of rejection you face. I just want to encourage you to know that God causes all things Work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And more importantly, you need to know because it actually says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. You love God. God has a purpose for your life. Whatever it is, whatever setback that you're facing, God is only using it to redirect you to his calling in your life. I just want to encourage you to continue to love God. And continue to know that God is in control. Nevertheless, today I just want to talk about how um, rejection is not a setback, but a setup. And just want to give you a, a, a story, uh, an encounter, uh, something I went through many years ago. Perhaps um, I haven't really talked too much about who I am, but from time to time I do so. I was born in Inglewood, California. When I was six weeks old, my parents moved back to Nigeria and uh, I was raised there for 19 years. While I was in Nigeria, I went to uh, boarding school. I went to boarding school. It was called Okrika Grammar School in River State in Nigeria. Yes, I went to boarding school from the age of nine till about 15. I went to boarding school. Okay? It was just for boys. Okay? It was just for boys. So... I get to boarding school and um, <laughs> it was a very interesting experience. Let's just say I'm grateful for the positives I got from boarding school. It uh, helped me to grow quickly. I had to grow up fast. Um, I got disciplined a lot. I learned to be disciplined. I learned to be more community minded. That's really not my personality. Um, I prefer to be by myself, but boarding school forced me to be around others. And the, the school was just for boys, so it had to toughen me up a little bit. Um, perhaps you understand that if you go to boarding school and you're a guy and all the guys are telling you that you look like a girl, that's not really a very good thing. 
it's not a very positive thing <laughs> from a, a, a male standpoint. Nevertheless, I went to boarding school and uh, went through a, a growing up experience quickly. But one of the things about going to boarding school just for boys is you learn a lot of things about relationships that are not right. You learn a lot of things from a male perspective, which does not fly in the grand scheme of relationships with women. Okay. So that's, that's not a good thing. It, it didn't help me at all. As a matter of fact, I'll tell you a story. My time in boarding school, the equivalent of it, I think, looking at the American school system is between the eighth and the 12th grade. Basically, I was in boarding school from the 8th to the 12th grade. So I remember, I believe I was maybe in the 11th grade or so, and one of my, um, I won't really call him a friend, but he was a friend's friend from boarding school. He was talking about how he, he treated women. He, he gave an example of, you know, maybe going to a party. At the time, I was into going to parties and stuff like that, and I was into trying to get to know women and, you know, have a girlfriend and all that kind of stuff, which I never did at the time, even though I acted like I wanted a girlfriend, but never really did. But he had mentioned going to a party and he talked about how if you went to a party and uh, ask a girl for a dance and the girl said no, he would pretty much just pull her up and just drag her to the dance floor and dance with her. At the time, the mindset I had or the mindset that a lot of guys had at the time and even still have now is, you know, you got to be a man. You got to be tough. You know, you got to show, you know, women like tough guys, women like guys who are like very confident and they take charge. Yeah, that's that's the mindset. Yeah, that's what I had to deal with in boarding school. But at the time, I thought it, I didn't think of, of that. It was ridiculous. Um, I was just dumb. And um, it, it was even dumber to think that, you know, this guy was a problem maker in school. He's who was considered a class clown. Um, I had enough sense to know that, dude, you cannot take what this guy is saying. This guy had been expelled from school a few times. And for for some reason, I don't know what I was thinking. I, d I actually took his advice. So nevertheless, so I go to this party, right? And um, <clears throat> and uh, a lot of people around is a big circle at the center of the venue where this party is taking place, music is blasting and um, nobody is dancing yet. And for whatever reason, I thought it was a big deal when you're the first guy that steps up in front of everybody to show how confident you are, to show how cool you are, to show how um, debonair you are, and to just walk up to a lady and just, you know, ask her for a dance. I thought I was real cool. I thought I was really macho and stuff like that. So, Music is blasting. Nobody's dancing. I'm, I stepped up. Heart was beating. I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this. You know what I'm saying? This lady I was checking out from afar. She was sitting down. Again, I'm a teenager. You know, probably maybe I was like 14 years old, 15. No, at this time, actually, at this time, I was in the 12th grade. Actually, I was I was a senior in, in boarding school. So, the Sparta was not in school, by the way. I left the school, which we're not supposed to, but that's a whole other story. I left the school with a bunch of guys. We went outside um, the school premises to a party in the in the in it was in the village area in the neighborhood, you know. Um, 
I know some of you might think village and party don't mix, but it's it's a different environment, different context. Don't even think about that. I went to a party with my boys, you know, my classmates, some of my friends. So went to this party. So here we are in this dance hall. Music is blasting. And I step up to uh, dance with this uh, young lady. I approached her in front of everybody. I was the only guy. I just walked up to her, touched her by the side of her knee, just by a little tap and said, hey, let's dance. And I walked back, waiting for her to get up and just come up and dance, kind of like posing around and, you know, gyre, you know, kind of moving my body like I'm feeling cool, like trying to mac, like, yeah, I'm here, all, all that kind of stuff. And she didn't get up. She said, no, she didn't want to dance. So I walked up to her again, said, hey, you know what? Let's dance. And I walked back, waiting for her to get up. She said, no, she doesn't want to dance. Then I decided to do one of the dumbest things I've ever done in my life, to apply the advice given to me by a hooligan. So I, I, I held her by the hand and said, come on. And I kind of pulled her up gently, trying to kind of, it started out a little bit gently, but a little bit forceful to kind of like, hey, come on, let's let's go dance. And um, let's just say everything went south from there. In an attempt to pull her up, she really ended up pulling me down. And her friends kind of uh, entered the fray and they all pulled me down as well. And um, it was embarrassing. And let's just say everybody in the dance hall knew my name. Not the name my mom gave me, but the names the girls gave me. They cursed me out, called me names. They were yelling. Let's just say I discovered that that approach to trying to get a lady to dance with you or to do anything with you doesn't work. Not only does it not work, it is totally disrespectful, irresponsible, and foolish. Well, I'm I'm much older now, so I... I I figured that out that night, which was maybe over 20 years ago. And um, so I'm chilling like, uh, you know, I should be embarrassed. Unfortunately, I wasn't, which was sad. Um, I was insecure and I liked the attention she gave me because everybody's not looking. Who's this dude? And, you know, I felt like maybe some guys were like, yeah, they appreciated my courage and heroism trying to be tough and I was dumb but nevertheless the point I was trying to I'm trying to make is I was in a boarding school with guys and my idea of approaching women were coming from these guys and I had friends that went to other boarding schools there were co-ed boarding schools where there were girls and guys and their mentality was even different from ours because they have the privilege of going to school with ladies so they knew more things than i did not only was i in a boarding school with just guys i was in a boarding school with guys most of whom were from the village you can do the math nevertheless um it was a learning experience for me but i say all of that to say this so i'm in boarding school and going back to the 11th grade something that we usually did in boarding school was in boarding school we were not supposed to have assorted haircuts no fancy haircuts everybody had like uh, a buzz cut but not necessarily a buzz cut 
your no style just it, your hair had to be a low cut okay like a like a low cut fade type haircut just everything was low no high tops uh no fancy haircuts nothing like that you know this was back in the 90s everybody's hair was plain and low so if you had any stylish haircut in boarding school they were going to cut your hair and when I mean cut your hair, they're going to drive a scissor shoot through your hair to mess it all up so you have no choice but to cut everything off. So that's kind of like everybody moved around with very low cuts. But toward the end of the semester in school, particularly maybe like the, uh, the last two days or the last week, because we're going on going for the holidays, what happened was people now have their stylish haircuts because... More often than not, nobody's going to bother you at the end of the school semester when you're about to go home for the holiday. So usually no one bothered about that. The issues usually, usually came at the beginning of the school period or, you know, during regular the school semester. So I remember 11th grade, you know, this was something I've. I had done quite a number of times and toward the end of uh, this the semester and it was the day before we were supposed to go for the holidays and uh, a senior, someone who was in 12th grade, he cut my hair and, you know, gave me one of those Carl Lewis type cuts. Don't ask my age. I told you it was in the 90s. So I got one of those Carl Lewis type cuts and uh, feeling good about myself, looking forward to going back home. Um... I lived in a different state in Nigeria and uh, it was considered a, a cooler state and I lived in the suburbs kind of or in the city per se. And usually when I went for home for the holidays, I went to parties with my friends and stuff like that. So I wanted to look good for the occasion. So the day before the school ended, I had a cool haircut, Carlo's haircut. The last day of the school semester, which was the next day after my haircut, all of a sudden, the vice principal of the school decided to go on a raid, a hair raid. Yes, I was a victim of one of his raids. He drove a scissors right through the middle of my head. Like a tractor driving his forklift through a building. It was terrible, so I had to cut my hair all off. Talk about having a bad hair day. Terrible. Feeling terrible. So I go home, hair is all messed up. I mean, obviously, I cut everything off to kind of even everything out. And uh, I wasn't feeling too good about myself. at the, at the <laughs> I wasn't feeling too good at the time. And yes, there was a party that my friends were about to go to. And I was like, ah. So I had to go to a party with a low cut. And low cut was not in vogue at the time. At the time, you had a Bobby Brown haircut. At the time, you had high tops, you know, and here I am with a low cut. And my head, let's just say, is not the best looking head. It's often described as an oblong head. So here I am. I'm about to go to a party with my boys. To make things worse, my wardrobe wasn't the best. I wore my, one of my father's um, long sleeve shirt. It was a striped green, gray, and white shirt. 
I wore a navy blue square tie. Yes, there are ties that were square. They used it in probably in the 60s or whatever. I don't know what I was thinking. Part of that wardrobe idea, guess where I got it from? Yep, you got it, got it right. From the male boarding school that I went to. Yep. So, uh, and I'm wearing this black gabardine pants. Gabardine is a material that's kind of silky. It's so silky and shiny that a lady could use it to put on makeup as a replacement for a mirror. Yeah, it was that shiny. That's what I wore. It was real baggy. Yeah, very baggy. And uh, I wore dress shoes. Yeah. So that's what I wore. That was the best I could do at the time. And uh, my boys, on the other hand, you know, they're looking real smooth, looking like Bobby Brown, you know, uh, Bugle Boy jeans at the time and uh, stonewashed, um, Bobby Brownish, high topish haircuts, Timberland boots. Yeah. And uh, let's just say, had I not known them, uh, had I not been in the neighborhood with my friends, they probably would have just tossed me to the side. But because we knew each other in the same neighborhood we went to the party and um actually we took a cab to the party and oh by the way we weren't invited they just figured somehow they will get in because they probably knew somebody influential in the party that would get us in so yes we went to the party so i'm already feeling insecure i'm already feeling not too good about myself because i'm looking like okay i'm looking like a joke bad hair day my friends are looking real smooth we go to the party, and uh, of course, like I mentioned earlier, I don't have the best etiquette with regard to interacting with the ladies. And um, we, so we got to the party, and we got into the street that led to where the horse party was taking place. And I felt like I saw like all these ladies just walking toward us, maybe about 50 of them. Wow, very attractive. They were just teenagers at the time, but I was a teenager as well. And attractive, diverse, and I, I was just, I was, I was blown away. I was like, wow. I was like, there's no way I can talk to any of those girls. I just, at that point, I just said, there's no way I'm going to talk to those girls. There's just no way. I was intimidated, insecure, not feeling good about myself. And I saw all these girls walking toward us. And actually, they were leaving the party because... I think whoever was hosting the party did not tell their parents or something like that. I can't remember the detail. Something was off and a lot of them were leaving. So my boys got out of the cab and um, we're trying to figure out whether to stay and stuff like that. And we ended up staying at the party because some people stuck around. And uh, I was in the middle between my friends, two of them, and uh, these three ladies began to walk toward us. Oh, man, I was like, oh, no, this is not happening. I felt very shy. felt intimidated. I knew two of the ladies amongst the trio. That was why I was feeling even more trepidation. I was like, oh, no. There were three ladies. One of them was in my neighborhood. I knew her, she knew me. We never really talked, but again, I'm a teenager, but we kind of knew each other, and I played soccer with her brother a lot, and 
I've been to her house a few times, but I never really talked to her because I talked to her brother. Partly because growing up, she was kind of like the little sister. But now, you know, it's been years and she's grown up a little bit and, you know, becoming a woman per se. She was a teenager, but I was a teenager as well. But I knew who she was and she knew who I was. And, um, you know, I saw her, never really talked much with her. Then there was another girl that I made a fool of myself trying to go out with. Just I just made a buffoon of myself trying to go out with her and it, just embarrassing. And here she is. And I was like, oh, no, man, this is not good. Then the third girl, I didn't know who she was. My friends and I didn't know who she was either, though my friends also knew the other two girls I knew about. So they all came to us and they began a conversation. The girl whose brother I had played soccer with began to talk to my friends and she introduced my friends to the third girl that we didn't know who she was. Let me say that again, just in case you did, you missed what I just said. The girl whose brother I played soccer with, actually my friends and I played soccer with her brother. She introduced the girl that we didn't know to my friends, not to me. They began to have conversations and I'm in the middle of my boys. They are on either side of myself. I wasn't introduced. I was just moping. Feeling like I wanted a, a hole to go crawl in. They were having a conversation. And before I knew what was happening, they all kind of walked away. They all walked together and walked off. And I stood there like the Statue of Liberty all by myself. I can't imagine the feeling of rejection I experienced at that point. They just left me. They just, I, I just stood there. I could not believe this was happening. They just walked away. Or maybe I should have just stepped up or say something, but I was so shy. I was insecure. I wasn't feeling good about myself. And they just walked away. They left me jonesing. Now, jonesing was a slang back in Nigeria we used to describe a guy who is just moping around, not doing anything. And I think that term was derived from a character from Sesame Street called Forgetful Jones. And if you remember Forgetful Jones, in addition to forgetting stuff, he just looked like he was moping around with his mouth wide open, like, uh, uh, whatever, the <laughs> whatever the case may be. So it was a slang we used in Nigeria to say this guy is jonesing, like you're just moping around. So here I am, you know, just jonesing and, I spotted another guy who I had met a while ago from a mutual friend. He was jonesing as well. So we, I, I walked up to him and we said, hey, how you doing? Say, hey, we talked a little bit and we decided to be jonesing together, so to speak. So call a long story short, the party is going on. I go into the party and um, just moping, just jonesing around, looking at all the other guys, dancing with the girls, just sitting down there. I actually attempted to ask some girls to to dance and they said, no, thank you. And um, I learned a long time ago, you do not force anything. I said, OK, and I walked away. <clears throat> yeah. So I'm Jones in there and uh, not too long. One of the hosts of the party is like, you know what? There are too many guys here. So it said a bouncing unwanted guest. Yeah, you guessed it. I got bounced. Yep. I was bounced. 
my friends were in the party having fun. I'm I'm outside the gate, you know, just looking through the bars, everybody having fun, and I'm outside jonesing, looking at everybody else. And uh, a friend of mine came, another friend, you know, he came in. He wasn't invited either, but he was more, at least he looked like he was more confident and more secure. And he saw me outside and was like, what are you doing here? I was like, yeah, man, I got bounced. He was like, what? You know, then he kind of sweet talked the bouncer and kind of bullied the bouncer a little bit. Like, this is my boy. You know, he can't let this happen, whatever, you know. And he got me in. But what's the point? You know, I've been rejected by my friends. I've been rejected from the party. I was feeling down about myself. You know, what's the point? You know, so I'm here just just jonesing again. And later it was getting late. And I noticed the friends that I came to the party with and the girls that they met when they came to the party and a whole bunch of other friends. I watched them get into a car and leave the party. They left me behind. Even before the popular book came out, I was left behind. Like I wasn't there. I'm going to be honest. I really didn't mind because I was so insecure, feeling so bad about myself. I couldn't fathom being around them and just feeling so... Unworthy, feeling like I did not belong in the in the in the crew. They're looking good, and they're all inter. Felt awkward and felt like an outcast, you know. But they left. They drove and they left me behind. The next day, when I caught up with my friends, they laughed and they joked that they were in the car driving off, and they realized that I wasn't there. And they said, they they said, oh, Tokes was so quiet. We left him behind and they all laughed. Nevertheless, going back to that night, my friends are gone and here I am, you know, stranded, trying to figure out how to get home. I was able to reach out to some other friends. They had some money and, you know, I caught a bus to go home and the bus doesn't really take you to your house per se, but it takes you to a stop. And from the stop, you can catch a cab to go home or you could just walk home. So I caught a bus and it got me to a particular stop per se. When I got off the bus at the stop, a cab also stopped beside me and a beautiful young lady stepped out of the cab and the lady I recognized was in the party I just came from when I was jonesing, when I was moping around. Just looking around doing nothing. I had spotted her at the party. And the cab stopped her right where I came off the bus. The light bulb went up. I remember telling myself, Tokes, this is your opportunity. You couldn't have asked for a better script. You've had a terrible day. And here is this lady who you spotted, who you admired at the party. She's right in front of you. There's nobody around you. Why don't you ask her if you can escort her to her place? Where the bus stopped us, it was about maybe another three miles to where I lived. And apparently she lived around the same area as well. And... One of my challenges with 
talking to the ladies was even it's irrelevant now because thank god i'm happily married to a wonderful woman but at the time i it just seemed like the ladies were always in the group so i felt like if i wanted to talk to one of the ladies in the group i felt like i wasn't just talking to a lady in the group i'm talking to all of them I felt like if the lady I wanted to talk to turned me down, it wasn't just her turning me down. It was all of them turning me down. So I was very uncomfortable reaching out to a lady in a group. But here is this lady. There's nobody around. It's just two of us at night, walking home, no distractions, no one to influence her decision, just me and her. I was nervous like crazy. But I was like, man, talks don't blow this. Talk to her. And I approached her and I asked her if it was, I asked if she came from the party. She said, yes. I asked her if it was okay if I could walk her to her home. She said, yes. Now, I didn't know if she said yes because she liked me or if she said yes because she felt safe with an escort at night. Either way, that's not the point. The point I'm trying to make is the rejection I experienced all day from my friends, from the party was the reason why I was in this position. And that's what I'm trying to tell you. Somebody said no to you. Somebody doesn't want you. A group of people don't want you. People have tossed you aside. But you don't understand that God is using their saying no to you to redirect you to who you need to be with. That's the, that's the gist. Rejection is not a wall that blocks your path. It's an arrow that directs it. Rejection is not a dead end street. It's a detour to who and where and what God wants you to do. That's all I'm saying. Be encouraged. That night, every roadblock I, I experienced, a few of which may have been self-inflicted, but that's not the point. It really doesn't matter how you got where you are. It doesn't really matter why you feel the way you do or, or, or why people turn you down. The most important thing is God loves you. God cares about you. And God is using those experiences to navigate you to, a, to your destiny. That's the most important thing. It's not about them. It's about God's plan for your life. That night... I, I saw the light. I was like, wow, had I not experienced what I experienced with my boys and at the party, I will not have met this girl the way I did because there was no way I was going to talk to any of those girls in the party. I was intimidated. But somehow, some way, that experience navigated me to a p p point where I met this girl and I walked into her home. We had a great conversation. I believe I got her number. I, it's been a while, but I think I did get her number. We talked a little bit. I mean, nothing really went further from there, but based on the kind of night I had, based on the kind of person I was at the time, just getting a girl's number, just talking to a girl that long, that was victory. Usually I got no thank you, no, 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 no thank you, no, 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 no. Or I get slightly assaulted like I kind of did that night when I was in boarding school, but that was self-inflicted. But I had maybe like 45 minutes of, of, of conversation and I was, I, I enjoyed every moment of it. And we talked, you know, got to know uh, each other a little bit, 
oh man, that made my night. And that made up for all I went through that day. And listen, when you get to the person God has for you, when you get to the place God has for you, when you get to do what God has for you, it will more than make up for everything you've been through in the past. In fact, you might even forget you went through those things. In fact, you might not even know (laughs) that those things were part of what got you to be with whoever God has for you or get to do whatever God has for you to do or get to the place where God wants you to be. But just be encouraged. It's not a setback. It's a setup. Thank you for listening to the While You're Single podcast. Talk to you again next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope you were informed, inspired, and impacted. If you'd like to learn more about O.J. Tokes, his books, blog, music, and his monthly ministry for singles, please visit whileyouaresingle.org. That is whileyouaresingle.org. If you've been blessed by the podcast, we encourage you to please share with your friends. Until next week's podcast, take care and stay blessed. Thank you.